The glacier knocks in the cupboard. The desert sighs in the bed. And the crack in the teacup opens a lane to the land of the dead. In the 1970s, science fiction pioneer Philip K. Dick attempted to clarify and then to document the nature of a sudden metavision derived from a series of traumatic, psychoactive events he experienced in the wake of the Watergate scandal. His attempt to apprehend this awful wave of truth would dominate completely his work and life for a decade until his exeunt stage left into the wings of the great mystery play, leaving for examination of his vision the shambling Ozymandian opus, Exegesis and Vallis, a gently fictional chronicle of his adventures during the period of his Watergate breakdown. The baseline of Dick's vision is that of a perpetual time loop, a loop designed to forestall the return to earth, the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom, he proposes, which must exist only beneath the net domain of a truly just and healing prince whom he identifies somewhat skittishly as the head Apollo, or Christ. Dick relates the conviction that the loop is initiated by a group of shadowy magicians in and around the period of the New Testament book of Acts. The magic of the loop is at the exact moment of the promised return, the historical timeline rears back upon itself, warping space and twisting the return of Christ into a retooled allegory of the horror show at Golgotha, 80 years or so gone away, when the act begins again. Valish Malice, hello, and this is the sultry AI voice of William Morgan, and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. A weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com. And you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. Today is the 19th day of May, and this is our 185th broadcast. We want to take a moment and thank all the SyncBook Plus members who joined us last night for another interesting hangout. Thank you, Wally, for your musical introduction to Xenocrony. It was awesome. If you missed the hangout, know that it will make its way to the member section this week, the syncbook.com slash member contents. And if you are curious, maybe it's time to join up the syncbook.com slash purchase. There is always something interesting showing up in the member section of the website every week. You know, like a further look at Don's cards or a couple more questions about the real life Valis experience or member exclusive conversations with myself and or John McGuire. What are you waiting for? What about this summer, Morgan? What about it? I mean, what, what about us? Oh, you mean like 42 Minutes Next Week with Feral House on the occult American Space Age? Or how about the Super Normal July with Dean Radin, Nancy McGonigal, and Brian er er Erber, and, and the original Child of Dune? I mean, cool. <laughs> and of course, like good bookmen, we're taking the entire month of August off again, but there will naturally be content in the RSS feed for all subscribers. And that's when the new seasons of Sync Quick News and Marty Leeds resume, so it'll be a smooth transition into fall when we will return again to blow your minds. Enough! What's up with today? Oh, you mean like 
on this day, actress Marilyn Monroe sings happy birthday to JFK or that Malcolm X was born or former First Lady Jackie O dies or that today, May 19th, is Pete Townsend's birthday, composer of the rock opera Tommy and guitarist for The Who? No. Why did we invoke a logic puzzle by quoting the wrong way wizard on the phallus time loop and the introduction? That's a good question. It might actually be a catch-22, though, times two. Today we have the pleasure of sharing 42 minutes with visual artist Dennis Cook. Currently, his exhibition, The World is Square, is on view in Munich at the Sabina Knust Gallery. Previously, the show incarnated as Catch-22 times 2 in L.A. at the Louis de Jesus, where Cook... Working primarily in the meeting of mini medium of drawing, made meticulously structured abstract works inspired by the scientific fields of physics, cosmology, dimensional mathematics, parapsychology, and altered states of consciousness. A double fantasy times a double paradox. Inspired by a kind of rotational algebra, his drawings depict the implosion of a circular toroid. Shifting from gray to full spectrum color, the circle turns itself inside out. Cook's scramble channel drawings are the right brain color. Color. Oh my goodness. Colorly to. Color. Colorly. I can't even say words today. To his more logically structured. You didn't even have xenocracy. <laughs> xenocracy? Call. Corollary. Jeez. There we go. Cook's scrambled channel drawings are the right brain corollary to his more logically structured left brain oriented verser parallel works. Included in the exhibition is a diptych made in collaboration with his twin sister as well as an essay by the wrong way wizard entitled Valish Malice. More information about the work of Mr. Cook can be found on his website denniscookstudio.com. We're going to link to that because it doesn't spell like it sounds. Welcome, Dennis. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad I can run up the flagpole for uh, the words of Mark Mark LeClaire. Yes. And join you guys. Thank you, guys. Wonderful. Uh, there's so many different things. I don't even know where to start, but twin, <laughs> twin sister. Is this true? No, it is not true. Uh, Talith the Wall is, is <laughs> one of my best friends. Um, uh, we were like, I mean... The idea of twins or, or creating your twin was something that we had been playing with. Um, and we'd worked together on a number of projects uh, together. She's like, she's an extraordinary human. Uh, I wish everybody talk, would talk to her because she's got a lot of interesting just things to say. Though she's recovering from uh, uh, some really uh, crazy Lyme disease symptoms, um, which... Uh, that's a whole other story. It is, and it's becoming a lot more common. It's bizarre that... Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's more of an East Coast thing, though, or... Well, if you look into the history of it, it's really crazy, particularly the uh, the island that uh, some of the... The island right off the coast of Connecticut that may have been the originator of, of it, and there's, like, all of these speculations about it be originally being a sort of bioweapon, and... Uh, ah, yeah. Huh. Well, I know. I mean, so like, we got a taste of you at the SyncBook Plus member hangout number three, and um, 
boy, I don't even know where to start. Your your work is so fabulous. It's really interesting. I mean, some of the teasers that we got in the Hangout was that, you know, part of your story comes from just getting a job at the right time at the right place in L.A. Could you talk about that maybe as a place to yeah. start? Yeah. Um, I'm originally from Cedar Falls, Iowa, but after um, meeting my wife on a bike ride across the state of Iowa, um, I uh, decided to move to Los Angeles to be closer to her. And so her, her and I lived, we have three kids now, we have three girls, um, but we lived in LA for the last, uh, she was there for 13 years and I was there for 10. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I stumbled into some really interesting work that put me around a group of uh, a number of people that are like was very different than my upbringing in Iowa and uh yeah I don't know I stumbled into it I didn't I I applied to some uh top graduate schools for art uh I didn't get in and then I just sort of busted ass to the west coast and uh stumbled into working at Gagosian Gallery in Beverly Hills and then uh, working for a number of other, um, I worked for another gallery called Blum and Poe, which is another, there's basically two or three really huge galleries, Gagosian being probably one of the largest ones in the world, having locations all over the globe. Um, and yeah, it was crazy vista into a, a whole another world. And then I sort of, I mean, yeah, I, I, they sold some of my work and it uh, helped um, get me some other shows and just... Uh, I don't know. It was, it's, when I look back, I just recently moved to Iowa, moved back to Iowa for a, um, uh, having a, like a better lifestyle for my family and kids. And uh, I'm, we moved last summer and I still go back to LA quite frequently and headed back there next week. But um, yeah, it's weird to have a distance from Los Angeles a little bit and sort of look back on my time there and where it took me. Speaking of different worlds, you mentioned before the show something about Bill Klaus and his Kubrick Transformer. So yeah. going from there, how did you get involved with such a crowd as the Sync community? <laughs> well, I, you know, I started with, um, there was a, in like 2006 or 2007, there was an online collection of audio podcasts called, from the Psychedelic Salon. So that sort of started my trip. And, and then from there, uh, obviously, like Red Ice and Project Camelot uh, became like, I mean, I just devoured all of it and like uh, went through everything. And then eventually uh, I came across Always Record, rather, rather maybe sort of mid Always Record. And so I did a lot of catching up on old episodes of Always Record. And then I never missed, an, I never missed another one. I mean, you have to understand, most of the time I spend, uh, you know, long hours drawing in my studio, so which offered me a lot of time to sort of digest uh, um, other uh, audio material. And, uh, and it, I, I, I've heard this from artists before. That seems like uh, that's one, one thing artists do a lot is just multiple podcasts consistently while, yeah. they, while, while the creative inspiration's spinning and turning. Absolutely. That's, that's I a, like to listen. I like to listen. I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy just uh, uh, listening. And, um, uh, you know, my whole, my whole construct for the way in which I draw began with just an, a – a uh, 
designing a structure that allowed my hand to do a repetitive task so that I could exercise some physical tension and just allow myself to think about some other things. Um, so podcasts became like a, a nice sort of partner to that. I'm still curious about what your wife was doing in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a totally random circumstance. Uh, her, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't need to talk about randomness to this crowd, but like, uh, I, my wife, um, her sister was dating a friend of mine from high school and he invited her, he and she was doing uh, a lot of bicycling at the time and he he said hey do you want to come and do this bike ride and this bike ride actually has a very Philip K Dickian crossover because um this was an activity I used to do with my two friends every summer and um so and then I met my wife on on this ride, and uh, we kept in contact uh, immediately. And uh, I, she would come and visit me in Iowa, and I would go and I drove to LA like four times in a year, or some crazy uh, amount of times. And then eventually I moved there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know how hardcore we want to go on some of this. But <laughs> my this bike ride was very influential, and also. Uh, ended up being um, really connected to my experience of Valis. Um, so this bike ride uh, I would do with my two closest friends from college. Um, event this culminated in a what was a disaster um, uh, of an event where uh, uh, there was a storm that came out of nowhere, and uh, um, uh, we, the, me and my two friends, were in a tent and. Um, we were laying three in a row right next to each other and the wind uh, came up out of nowhere and it, uh, a storm came and it blew this tree fell and onto our tent and it instantly killed my friend who was in the middle. And we were laying, I know it was a very wild experience. And, uh, um, yeah. And I don't know a long story short, but I, I, I've looked back on, who my friend was or my connections with these two people. And it really, it ended up really reminding me a lot about, um, horse lover fats characters who end up being extensions of himself or enfold into himself. And, uh, there was a lot of archetypal sort of, uh, cross. He was your, he was your Tyler Durden. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in some ways I know it sounds outlandish or perhaps it doesn't, but, um, uh, I ended up really seeing it uh, a lot like that. Um, yeah. So when it, the first time I read Valis, I, it really blew me away. I mean, as it blows everyone away, but it really, there was a lot of personal um, crossovers that I really felt. And did the, your your uh, relationship with Philip K. Dick and Valis kind of occur as as you got into this world deeper and deeper? Or was that something that you were into as a younger person? For sure. No, I, I I wouldn't know Philip K. Dick if he slapped me across the face when I was younger. Um, no, I, I I didn't know anything about Philip K. Dick when I was younger. Um, it, my interest in him maybe came out of, uh, you know, movies or other stuff that brought it to my attention. I mean, I've, I've since then gone through many of his books, but that would be in the last 10 years. And then, so my wife is an artist too, 
and she has an MFA. But a lot of the stuff that we're interested in, like really intellectualizing some of these different thoughts and things, I know that she touches in her work, not necessarily consciously though. What is what is your sense of the art world in general, as far as like some of the some of these concepts, you know, cosmology and like the foundations or the architecture of the universe, this kind of stuff. Where where do you fit in in the art world as far as like uh, your own thoughts about kind of these weird left brain structures like Marc Leclerc? Yeah, no, I see a lot of artists sort of dancing around the exterior of it and, and like looking for a way to contextualize it within their own work. Um, I don't know. I have to say, I don't know where I sit on some of the current state of thoughts about physics and things. It's possible that it's all just a load of bullshit. And uh, um, I don't know. I, but I don't know. I don't know how that intertwines with art all the time. There is tons of big named artists that I would say are looking at it. Um, but uh, and even my lo my location to it at times has changed dramatically i would say well yeah now this is a good chance to just hop into your work when i was looking at some of the images for the the show that's in munich right now you've got actual toroids yeah yeah oh i have an interesting story about that because uh i first started making those because i think originally i was looking at a lot of marco roden's work and uh i mean those are basically a three-dimensional uh, same it's very similar representation as the rodent coil. Uh, I, I showed those in a show. I made those inner tube and rope sculptures uh, for a show in L.A. and then also for a show that went to Palm Springs. And it turned out that the gallery director of the space in, in Palm Springs, his next-door neighbor was Marco Rodent. So it was just sort of a weird uh, confluence <laughs> or, or, or um, circumstance. But, but yeah, no, I... I, I was interested. I, I, I saw those sculptures as a three-dimensional representation of my two-dimensional drawings that I generally call circle sets. So if you were to take that uh, twin set of circles and make a three-dimensional object out of it, you would get that donut-like shape. You would simply be rotating it on its side and looking through the middle of it. Oh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, and the and those those circle set drawings is something that I basically had a vision about, and uh, and and it, and it freaked me the fuck out, and I didn't know what was I. It's happened in like two thousand and six, and I and it and it, I ended up making drawings of what I saw, and then when I became across Mark's work, it was really exciting to me because I felt like it's possible that he was uh, describing something that I had seen. Interesting. So with Mark, sometimes I can only follow him up to a point and then he sure. loses me. Totally. I, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always fabulous. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm thoroughly entertained. And then there's also this sneaking suspicion sometimes that he's having, having us on a little bit. Like <laughs> every now and again, I think, is he making all this up as an elaborate game almost in the bake baconian tradition of i don't know i know what you're saying but um yeah i mean mark is very uh he's very um 
he lives this. This is an extension of his experience. Um, so he's voicing what he, he, he's trying to voice things in a very specific way. Um, and, uh, and, and there is, a, I mean, certainly a, a amount of passion behind what he's trying to get across. And he's, a, he's an exceptional mind. Like Mark, I, his, his appearances on always record have been some of the most spectacular things I've ever listened to. Like, I just love it. And, uh, and that show, that show, I, I just, I've learned so much from David Plate. I've learned so much from Alan and all of the guests that have stepped in there. And they've, been, you know, these guests have surfaced on Red Ice. I mean, there's been really great crossover on, on a number of of p- platforms that I think have been really, really influential to me. So Raiders and Bills. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't intend it to be uh, uh, so L.A. in that regard. I just, you know, you you end up Googling in uh, inner tubes and, like, finding whatever you can find. And uh, those were two of the ones that I thought were the most hilarious, mostly because of the red and blue color of the Bills logo. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'm looking – I was – you know, you're making aesthetic choices based on like what rope goes with what inner tube at times. It could be that simple. <laughs> and, uh, but also, I mean, you know, I, I lived in LA for a long time. It was really crazy experience. So to have that sort of, uh, literal connection, just. Well, there was one that I saw that looked, and maybe it's in the entryway. I can't find the image of it now, but it almost That's looks. actual donut. That's a inflatable. It has a bite out of it. Yeah, okay. It looks like a donut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then so now, you know, in talking about all this, I'm wondering if you've uh I'm sure you did listen to the Tom Campbell always sure. record. And then I've been listening to him yeah, years ago and uh found him amazing. Uh yeah, I really enjoy what he has to say. Yeah, and then most recently he was on with John McGuire on Pentimental and I just thought it was such a great episode because he t- he t- he really kind of elaborates the idea of a hologram that isn't you know uh like totally nihilist you know like mm-hmm. there you end up with hope at the end of the thing well that's one of my things that i i feel like i experienced in la because i got to a point where uh i was seeing or, or like i felt like i was seeing people's thought thought i or i knew I had all these ideas for projects that I would I wanted to make, and then I would see them like coming appearing in artists around me, and like the idea would manifest. So I began to think about like what that sort of that landscape where thoughts are being derived from. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not in you, you know. <laughs> so it's like. So I, 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 it became, it was a paranoid experience at times because you're, you're thinking how, where, how are people, are people accessing my own personal thoughts or my own thoughts coming from a sort of field around me, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, it became really, and then you begin to wonder, I began to wonder, is this organism that is LA and the thoughts that are coming in, is that something that I am aligned with? Or, you know, if you view it as an entire organism, like, the um or is it or is it consuming well who's consuming who here became like i don't know it i know that's a babble of language in in a but well speaking of babble of language 
<laughs> Triangles and diamonds are symbols for what you think you are seeing. Study the nature of ellipticals until they unfold the deeper vision. What you thought was a shape is really the muted shadow of what is existing at a level in which you have yet to perceive with clear vision. Now, you obviously know where that's from, right? No, I don't. Well, other than <laughs> this mind, yeah. Other well, than, uh, yeah. What is this piece? What are these pieces? What is this exhibit meant to do to someone? Well, that piece became a sort of catch-all of, for uh, different fragments and thoughts that both Talitha and I had, had bounced off of each other over the last couple of years. And so half of it are, are sentences derived from her and half of it are sentences derived from me. And uh, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure you guys have both encountered this where you're like, you come across something, it sticks around in your your melon, and you're like, what the hell do I do with this? And uh that project just became some place to put that. I don't, we, we, we started to think about it in terms of like, what are some, truth is a tough word, man. I really think that, <laughs> I think that it's things that we, that we, that are out, outside of normal perceptory, um, consensus reality and like, uh, but, but true. And so that became a project for that. And, uh, but yeah, that's that, that sentence that you read comes from Talitha and, uh, um, she took it from a notebook that she had had when she was in her like teenage years, I think. Okay. Well, the, that's interesting. That kind of gets me. I mean, cause I, I see how the exhibit set up and I like going to art shows and going on the little fool's journey of from start to finish. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So there's a there's a little bit I'm try, I'm just trying to sense the intent of how you guys like what what do you guys feel that you're doing to people by using this cut up technique and then just blasting them with these colors and psychedelic shapes and fractals and I mean what kind of environment are you trying to do here Is this well I that that specific LA space had two very large different galleries uh, or it had two very large different rooms within the larger gallery space so the idea was to separate the two bodies of work as two very different uh logic systems and then the text piece sort of hovered in the middle there i mean you could say it's not it's it's perhaps not as specifically related, but also it has a through line to the video piece that was the World on a Wire Pinocchio piece. And then also there's a lot of text that I think crosses over in connection with Mark Leclerc's essay that accompanied the show. So Nice. That's what I was looking for. Now, I, also, I would say that there is some like electric universe type stuff. Uh, referenced in that text piece and you know the the verser parallel pieces reference verser algebra which has been voiced quite uh, a lot by eric dullard i don't know if anybody's familiar with eric dullard's work um uh but yeah i i spent the last year in this sort of weird think tank run by this guy named kurt hardesty in seattle called uh the cascadia school of neurokinetics and one of the crossovers was with uh the work of eric dollard who's a homeless uh electrical engineer or he was homeless but he also worked for rca and had a big job with um uh um i think the air force or the navy or something but he's it, his videos are on the on youtube eric dollard is amazing so 
On the same piece, Severed Heads. Uh, Severed Heads, Maria Antoinette, Blackbeard. Is that yours? Yeah, that is yeah. <laughs> That's a scene-kid list if I've ever seen one. Of course! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm. Uh. I can't, like I said, it's hard to articulate this, but that's what I mean. Like a total, this is how Sinkhead's brains work, right? Yeah, and I hope that, like, I hope that spins people in another, in directions like, you know, that the intention of, of even that, that particular line was like, well, what is it, what is, what, ha what occurs when your brain is, or what is, what occurs when your head is severed? And like, what does it mean to not have, to be accessing your brain or to have your brain being, you know, I mean, there's all these stories about skulls and, um, you know, brains and, and uh, or even just or just the sort of metaphorical idea of just being just thinking out of your out of your brain rather than the other um, parts of your body or your heart or whatever. Let's talk about practice a little bit. So, I mean, so interestingly, you have a, an art practice and. A lot of our shows deal with artists and, you know, how they do what they do, kind of because I think a lot of our audience are creating art also. But then also you're a synchronist. And so, like, talk. let's talk about your art practice and your sync practice. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I, you know, I'm also a father of three kids. So, like, separating all of these things at a times can be really trying. But, uh yeah, no, I'm an observer of sync for sure. Um, I hope I don't make a religion out of it. Um, uh, Could you, do you think that's a, a possibility? Like, do you feel that? Well, yeah, I mean, well, isn't there literally a one being created in Venice? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, it's impossible to evade at times. Like, I, there are certain numbers or, um, or letter sets that just constantly pop up around me. Um, at times, I think it's, uh, you know, it's hard to derive in the meaning from it at times. Um, but the sync community has been a really nice sort of group to say, just at least be like, holy shit, where, what, how do we contextualize what we're seeing? Um, but yeah, no, my art practice, uh, I don't know. Um, it's just something that, that I feel compelled to do. It's been my career. I don't know. I, and, uh, um, yeah, I don't know where, how to separate some of these things that, yeah. So how do you make them? How do you make these things? Like the, so you got the right brain pieces that look colorful and the left brain that seem more deliberate. Yeah. The mo the motif of circles has played a uh, has been reoccurring, um, and those are just made. They're just very dense colored pencil drawings that, where it's just applied in a very uh, deliberate, focused um, way. And then the uh, larger scrambled channel drawings, which are the more, which there isn't. I mean, I don't know what the pattern is on those. They 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 kind of fly off in a lot of different directions and I don't even know what I'm seeing sometimes when I, when I record those, but, um, yeah, those are made with, uh, these large colored pencil segments in the chuck of my hand drill. And I just fill in large areas with that, with, the uh, my drill. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that, which was just a solution 
that was a solution that I came up with just because I wanted. I mean, it's like the ape figuring out to use the bone to kill. You know, I I needed something that wasn't going to kill debilitate my my wrist every time for drawing for eight hours straight. So I just started using this hand drill as a means to fill in large areas. Cool. <laughs> but they're, they're huge pieces. So how long does it take to make one? Some take a long time. I mean, those, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, there's, I mean, I don't know. They'll, they take like a week, a week or two, but, uh, and the, the actual circle pieces take a little bit longer because there's, there's no cheat. And then when you're compelled, is it like, okay, I'm making these things and then there's a rest and you don't do anything or do you think you're always pretty much like last night on the call John Sousa is definitely someone who's always carving all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I can identify with that. Yeah. I no, I mean, now that I have a studio in my home uh for the first time uh you know, after the kids go to bed, I'll go down and work for a while. I don't watch TV. I I you know, so it's I mean, I I watch some movies, but uh Yeah. Yeah. I, like a year, like a year or two ago, I decided that in order for my s- sense of will to ha- my my focus and and um, my time management to be more fo- to be more focused, I like got off of all social media, like just started, you know, no more TV or anything, just so that I, you know, had time for the thing. You guys have kids, don't you? So yeah, you, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. i've gone through periods of imbalance for sure with especially with because sync can like once it's like finding that balance when you start seeing it it's like you you have your sync eye and then all of a sudden (laughs) scrolling (laughs) on the walls you just you can't help but want to share every moment of every day like it's all connected oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, last week I started seeing forty-four. I see one one nineteen all the time. Four-four is DD, is Don Draper. Oh there, yeah, though. and the forty-four is catch twenty-two times two, and then Obama's the forty-fourth president. Is that right? Yeah, it is. catch twenty-two. Times and last two week there was this grisly image showed up on my social media of him being beheaded by ISIS. Obama? Yeah. Whoa. Like the a photoshopped image of being right. It's just like, and then, oh, and then the the king kill is back in the news with Osama, the Seymour Hirsch piece. Yeah, which is curious. Yeah, hmm. it is curious. And so, like, then in the realm of Mark Leclerc, if this is all an elaborate show, you know, it's like, okay, so what is real, and like, what is the loop? And how how seriously should we take the events? You know, are they abstractions that we're supposed to recontextualize and make sense of, or you know, it's like where is that? Where do we find that balance point? Yeah, I mean, the Seymour Hearst thing is curious, just because a lot of people. I mean, in the conspiracy world, I mean, there's a lot of voices that think that Osama was killed in like 2001 or 2002 or something. And, uh, like, I mean, that's what, like, Pakistani's um, secret service said or something. And I don't know. So what? why are we being cycled back onto this story? 
Is it a canard? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> so your exhibition in Germany goes until the end of the month. What do you, what do you got going on this summer? I don't know. I think I'm I'm it might be in a group show in Paris. Um yeah, uh and then uh I don't know. I don't, it's so weird. I don't always know what the future entails. <laughs> and then how do people respond to your work and then apparently you're you're making a living, but you know how are you pretty hopeful? You do, are you on the you know the ascension part of your <laughs> career? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think, I mean, uh, yeah, things have been good. Things have been good. There's always been really interesting uh, response. Um, uh, I, always, I had some really awesome conversations in the wake of these shows. Uh, one guy was really mad at me about the, uh, um, the line about uh, the Grand Canyon being formed rather quickly as a, as a, as a function of an electrostatic discharge, which is something that's talked a lot about in the Electric Universe. But yeah, he was very upset with me that I didn't believe that the Grand Canyon was formed over a long glacier push. But Valis, yeah, Valles Moranis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what's. I don't know what's next. I. I'm really comfortable being back in the Midwest. So I don't really know what that'll entail for professional, um, uh, uh, career-related stuff. But yeah. It's really calm. My backyard is a uh, is the woods. And then what what is what is capturing your attention as far as your own? I mean, so for me, I I'm always saying that the the story that we're drawn to is kind of the story that we need at any given moment. And there's definitely like a personal story, or but then also a collective story that you know captivates everyone's attention. Mm. I'm just curious, you know, what are you sinking on? You know. Um... David's made so many good sync videos. I, I, and, uh, I've, I've made a couple and it's been interesting to observe. I did a groundhog day forward and backwards and, uh, and then I'm doing Suspiria forward and backwards. And I had this idea, I had this crazy dream once about, um, people, people who, who, people who are associated with the colors yellow and, uh, blue and that a third, uh, hybrid people was being formed into its uh, its green off 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 color combination. So I was, I was playing around with this idea of a a blue velvet yellow submarine video uh, with the yellow submarine being backwards, so that the Beatles talk is reverse. But um, I also don't I also don't know if this is just useless mind activity. I don't really know. I don't know if the end product is. I I sometimes reverse course on you know whether this is valuable to me yeah i'm sure you guys have encountered that at times those videos are so interesting and you can talk about them endlessly but they you know to devote two hours or plus to something unless there's like a deep meditation that you're you're present for it's I, I don't know i mean my time with those kids is pretty valuable yeah all right so we're, but we're nearly out of time i'm curious about that your first you know i saw some stills from your 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 first sing film is it called and you actually are yeah. it's part of your exhibitions too 
Sure. Does it run the whole, do you just show stills from it? No, it runs the whole thing. So I think people wander in and catch a, catch a part and then wander out. I don't, I, I doubt people are sitting the whole hour hour and change duration of the of the of the sink but um yeah no I think thematically it became interesting as a combination of of this German film I didn't when I made that I didn't know I was going to have a show in Germany so it it became uh interesting to you to show that to a German audience and then it was weird because it in the Munich space that this was being showed at, there's a museum across the street that ended up having a video in that, in that exhibition, in that museum exhibition that was of the same film of the same German film. So, uh, there, that was a weird sync, but, um, yeah, no, it became this whole thing and, uh, it crossed over, I think really, uh, um, well with Mark's essay because, you know, Pinocchio is a, uh, is a uh, marionette who um, who is controlled by a uh, um, you know a cross shaped uh, um, handle and uh, that fits in this uh, cubicle. Which, if you extrapolate that cross, it would fit into a square or a cube. Which is um, you know Marx's. He, I mean, a lot of times it is referred to as a vowel loop, but Marx's um, hypothesis is that it's more cubical in nature. Um, and so uh, I, this this device controlling the marionette and the and the marionette wishing wishing to transcend that uh, control and become a boy um, became an interesting part of the narrative. And that's essentially what what the plot of World on a Wire is about. This this man finds out he's in a simulation and wishes to. Um, he, he himself is designing a simulation and then he finds out he is in a simulation. I, yeah. We're going to take that into the, into the green room here in a sec, but that was 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you guys. You bet. You've been listening to Dennis Cook on SyncBook Radio, production of the SyncBook.com. Information about the work of Mr. Cook can be found on his website, DennisCookStudio.com. D-E-N-N-I-S-K-O-C-H-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. For more information about the Sync Book, our guests, check out past shows, or subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio, video, as well as monthly online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much, and now I am become death, destroyer of worlds, or here, my son, time turns into space. The key is now. This is the moment in which we can do. What we call the future is man's hope of the future, which he is hoping now. We are non-contemporary. We are non-contemporary. Get it on, keep in time with the drum. And don't forget when nothing yet the bomb water. Are you coming to or coming from? The understanding that I'm handing it to you. Or is that a job you don't dare do? Hey, my pretty flower, that's a letter for you. You'll find it on the shelf. Time becomes the greatest tyrant in our
mind becomes the greatest tyrant. I permitted to do so. 